So a couple of uh, assignments ago, before I came to Long Beach, uh, probably mentioned this down here. Um, I worked on the college campuses. I was chaplain at Hofstra and Adelphi universities. And uh, what we used to do then was we would, uh, a couple of times a year, I mean, they were separate communities, different schools and campuses, but sometimes we'd bring them together, uh, especially when we'd have retreats. We usually do two retreats a year, one a semester, and we'd usually do a, uh, like a mission trip, and we'd bring the colleges together to do that. Um, during those years, uh, for a couple of those years, uh, the Merchant Marine Academy at Kings Point, uh, they usually had a, uh, a Navy chaplain, like an active duty officer who was chaplain for, for the students there, but they didn't have one. They, they, didn't, they couldn't get one for whatever reason, so they were without a chaplain. So since I was kind of doing the college work, I offered to, to help out as kind of a, a volunteer or a part-time chaplain, and I did. Um, it ended up being a great experience. I did it for about two and a half years. Um, I'd go over twice a week, usually Sunday morning for mass, and then uh, Monday night they'd have uh, we'd have mass again. And there was uh, their Newman Club, which is the Catholic uh, club on campus. They'd meet, and I would offer to uh, hear confessions if anybody wanted to go. Um, you know, it's a military academy. It's a very, it's a very intense place. It's a tough place. A um, lot of discipline, a lot of structure, uh, not a lot of freedom at all. Academically, really tough. Um, and I remember those nights when I'd hear confessions. It was very often, it was mostly uh, freshmen who were going through their plebe year. So that was particularly tough. Um, a really kind of brutal year. So uh, a lot of times these confessions, they would almost kind of morph into little therapy sessions in a way. It was just um, frequently these kids were, well, they were all kind of hating being there. Uh, many of them were like really homesick. You know, a lot of them from all over the different parts of the country, so just far away. And, and they were young. They were like months out of high school. So Anyway, I'd have some pretty, pretty serious conversations with these kids. Um, and more often than not, the, the, the question was really came down to this, should I stay or go? They were contemplating leaving because uh, they were just finding it so tough and so unpleasant. Uh, you know, and they'd ask me kind of my opinion and, you know, I wasn't going to tell them either way. Like, that's something they had to decide. But I'd, I'd ask them different questions. Um, this one kid in particular... I remember uh, it was a really great kid, um, super talented. He was kind of like good at everything, um, but he was hating really being there. He was a freshman, and uh, he was torn. He was torn between staying and going, really. Um, he made it through his first year, and then uh, halfway through his second year, he decided to quit. At the, he was going to quit at the end of that semester. Um, but I remember when he really decided, uh, it was around this time of the year, it was Lent, and we were doing a retreat, uh, a, a Lenten retreat, which he went on. It was a weekend, and he, uh, it just became clearer to him uh, over the course of those two days or so that he really should not stay there. Um, 
The retreat was about, we based it sort of on this gospel, this, uh, this idea of uh, Jesus being in the desert. And uh, that was kind of, that was like the theme of the retreat. More specifically, it was sort of like, the desert's actually important. It's not pleasant. It's not a happy place to be. But a lot of times in life, it's a, it's a necessary place to be. It's the right place to be. Uh, and this kid realized on that weekend, he was like, yeah, I, I, this has been a total desert experience. It's been like almost, almost two years of pretty much being unhappy and questioning big questions. And he just kind of became clear to him, like, I just, I don't, I don't want to do the Merchant Marine thing. I just don't want to do this with my life. Um, and I remember he told me maybe a week or two after this retreat, he kind of came to that decision. But he was such at peace with it. There was no longer this um, dilemma. It was like, no, I, I, I made the decision and I feel right about it. Um, and he also had no regrets. He had no regrets about having gone to King's Point the last or year, you know, two, those two years of his life. He was actually grateful for them. He was talking about that. He said they were... Um, they were tough, and they were unpleasant, but he was sort of like, he said, I'm a better person because of it. I just, I just totally feel like I am. Um, and he started to talk about like bigger stuff, like things that'll happen later on in life, and maybe not even so later on, in the course of life. Just challenges in life, difficult chapters in our lives when it's just tough. We're going through an objectively difficult period. He was like, you know what? I made it through that place. I know I can make it through anything. And he didn't say it in an arrogant way. It was, again, it was kind of a grateful way. Like that long, tough first year, he felt, he says, it just, it just, it refined him. It kind of improved him as a person. I remember him saying, like, he's like, I think, like, I'm a better, I'm a better man because of this. And I think one day I'll be a better husband and a better father. Because I had to go through this tough time, this kind of desert thing. That's what time in the desert does. It refines us. It does improve us. Look into this gospel. The Spirit drove Jesus into the desert, and he remained for 40 days, tempted by Satan. The Spirit... The Spirit drove Jesus into the desert. What's the Spirit? What Spirit is that? It's the Holy Spirit. It's God. It's not an evil Spirit. It's part of the Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, God, was sending Jesus into the desert. Because the desert was necessary. It's painful. But it's purposeful. It's necessary. We come out better when we survive the desert. Doesn't mean we should go, you know, looking for desert experiences all the time, but when they happen, finding meaning in them. And maybe sometimes we do even pursue them on a certain kind of level, in a certain way. Today is the first Sunday of, of Lent. The gospel this Sunday is always Jesus in the desert. Like the church is telling us something, and I think it's this. The desert is really critical. And our instinct so often is to run from desert 
moments. Nobody likes them. They are painful. They're scary. That's what the desert is like. So our instinct is to be, I'm out of here. But Jesus didn't run from it. Jesus walked. He was led toward it, and he endured it. And I think what the church says to us, this Sunday and every Lent, it's like, you got you to gotta think about this desert thing, our own desert. I'm not saying jump in a plane and go literally to, to the southwest to find a desert. It's like in our own lives, in our own circumstances, what's something I need to be challenged by and challenged with? You know, there's this um, seminary in uh, Maryland. It's called the Mount St. Mary's, and it's a great old historical place. And about, I think about 10 years ago, one of the priests who was faculty uh, at the seminary, he uh, proposed this kind of exercise, this spiritual exercise to a group of seminarians. He didn't force it, he just kind of invited them to it. And he called it Exodus 90. Exodus, like the book of Exodus 90. The reason for the 90 is it's a 90-day experience. It's a 90-day kind of spiritual workout. And uh, these guys did it. And the focus of it is, it's kind of like three parts to it. One of it is you, you, you do a lot of fasting for 90 days. You do a lot of praying. And you come together as a community, like a fraternal thing. You, you don't do it alone. You do it in the, you know, you commit to it with another group of guys. So there's just power in community. So you meet up once a week to talk about your experience. Fasting is probably the most intense part of it. The things you're asked to give up. Let me give you just a list of some of the things that you got to do. This is for 90 days. No eating between meals. Wednesdays and Fridays are fast days, so that means you got one legitimate meal, and the other two are like little mini meals, and no eating in between. No dessert, no soda, no TV or movies, no alcohol, no televised sports, cold showers, regular and pretty serious exercise. You got to pray at least 20 minutes a day. Computer and phone only for work or school and, you know, communicating. Minimal. No enjoying phone or computer. Cold showers and no alcohol. That pretty much did me in. The thought of the thought of that, I was like, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Um, this thing started with five guys, and they crushed it. They loved it. So word spread in the seminary, and it was done again by five other guys, and it happened again after that. Eventually, it went beyond the seminary, and now it's like thousands, thousands of men around the country have done this in the name of, I want to be a better man. I want to be a stronger man. I want to be a more faithful man. So they kind of enter this into this 90-day kind of desert changing. 
life-changing experience. Like they come back saying, you know, their relationship with God, it'll, it, it, it has never been truer, never been more real, never been better. Those who are married come back saying, I'm just a, I'm, I'm way more committed to the stuff I should be committed to most. And I wasn't always, my family, my kids, my, my wife, the people in my life. Um, that's, that list is intimidating, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's so intimidating, it could kind of scare you away. Be like, I, I couldn't do that. So then we just say, I won't do any of it. Like, that's a mistake. Hey, if you could do all of it, go for it. But hey, just take, how about you just take a couple? We take a couple of, a fraction of, of, of what I listed there. Take two or three of those things. Those tough, difficult, desert kind of actions. Something you like to do and you stop doing it. And in place of it, you insert something that's good. Doesn't even mean the thing you like to do is bad. It's just like, yeah, maybe it's not the most productive thing in the world and I enjoy it more than I should. I'm not gonna do it. And with that time, I'm gonna do something that is objectively right and better. You know, I've been taking guitar lessons for about two years here in town and uh, I enjoy it, you know, and I've, I've gotten better, but not nearly as good as I should be after two years. I ought to be way better than I am. And it's obvious, I just, there's no mystery to it. I just don't practice enough. I go, to the, I go to the class, but I'm just not giving it the time that it deserves. So I'm not nearly as good. I mean, if I took, and I was thinking about this, like, and I'm not like a TV nut, I don't think. I mean, I don't watch TV constantly, but I have it usually on at night, at least on in the background. You know, cable news is on or some rerun of some TV show that I love is on. And I'm kind of watching this for like the 25th time, this episode of, of this show. And if I took that, if I said, all right, no TV at night for the rest of Lent. And I said, and in place of the TV time, I get the, the guitar out and I start practicing. Man, I'd be like Jimi Hendrix by Easter Sunday. I'll be great. I'm telling you, I'll be great. Like it doesn't, it doesn't take that much to get better. But we find every excuse in the book to not get better because we don't like what's uncomfortable. We run from the desert. And Jesus went, went into the desert. If he did, we've got to try. If he did, there's got to be value to being in the desert. You know, on uh, Wednesday, Ash Wednesday, we had uh, we gave out ashes on the on the boardwalk. Some of you might have been there, and it was really kind of cool. When we were planning it, we we looked and we figured out when the sunset when sunset was that date. So we scheduled it according to that, so that it would be pretty much setting while we were there. And this past Wednesday just happened to be particularly beautiful. Sun was going down, and it wasn't really initially that cold. We thought we were gonna get you know, 40 or 45 people. Like over 200 people showed up. It really was great, it was awesome. A little cold by the end, but nobody cared. It was really, the whole public nature of it, 
It was great. We're outside. It's Ash Wednesday. We're here because of our faith. Like, all of that. I think everybody feels good about when we do those things. It was just objectively, the, just the, the environment was beautiful. It really was. But it was easy. Like, it was, that was, a, it was an easy thing to do. There was nothing difficult about being on the boardwalk for ashes. There was nothing desert about that at all. And I think it was great, and I, I, I'm going to do it next year. COVID or not, I think it's, it was a really cool thing. But man, if that's Lent, if, that's, if, that, if Lent begins and ends with the likes of that, and we do no, no more for Lent, then it was a lame Lent. It was a wasted Lent, because there was no desert. There was no desert thing going on. And I think if we want this Lent to matter, and really what that means is what the kid who was at King's Point was like, I'm a better person because of my previous year and a half. If we want to be better people, and if we want a better relationship with God, it's about the desert. So, What does your desert need to look like? I mean, I'm really asking you to think about that question. What does your desert need to look like? Think about it and find it and visit it.